Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by an absolutely amazing woman and someone who I love spending time with and having a conversation. So it was a great excuse just to get her on Zoom, so just so I could have a chat really. So I'm joined by Rochelle. Rochelle is a wife, a mum, a soon-to-be grandma. She's a business owner and she's a tribal belly dance teacher. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rochelle. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. And as I love spending time with you too, Emma. So thank you ever so much. This is really lovely. It is. It's just been way too long be- between conversations. Uh, I think it was Christmas last year that I saw you, Sunshine. Oh, that's true. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We've really got to do this more often. I uh, reckon. Yeah. So we're talking today because it's October. So Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Absolutely. Everything's pink. Everything is pink. And so as part of your introduction, I didn't introduce you as being a breast cancer survivor because although you have lived through breast cancer, I guess I don't see it as, it's not the first thing that I think of when I think of you as a defining feature. Absolutely. No, I think it was just a a little... Uh, what do you call it? Road bump? Yeah, a little blip. <laughs> <type of thing. laughs> blip in the, in, the, in, the, in the road. And it made me do a lot of soul searching and a lot of deep thinking about what the hell I was actually doing to myself and, mm. and where did it all come from. So, yeah, it was a very interesting time. And as we were just discussing, it's nearly 10 years. So I was diagnosed in 2012 in early December. Actually, it was late November. I had my first surgery in early December and then my second surgery on the 21st of December, just before Christmas. So so it's coming up up 10 years, which is, is it's pretty unfathomable, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. How does that feel looking back on it 10 years later and sort of the, you know, this time 10 years ago, this is what was happening to me versus, and even thinking back to this time 10 years ago, this is what my life looked like compared to now oh my gosh the changes have been significant at that stage I was running a, um, a business I had a florist shop and working mainly for funerals which was mm. kind of really weird <laughs> but I also found that working with flowers there was a lot of glyphosate on the flowers that were being imported in so um, when they actually uh, removed my tumor um, they actually did a little bit of investigation too so they actually found the glyphosates were actually in it. So I think that uh, the job that I was doing was not actually being of any benefit to my health in that kind of sense too. So, you know, interesting story. But, yeah. Um, yeah, really interesting, huh? <laughs> so, and I'd never, um, I mean, I'd seen you at the time and seen you were always, look, you're always beaming, but you were always stressed and like there was always the next big job and funerals, often the flowers for funerals. It's not just a small bouquet. No, it's not. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. And I was Mm. on call 24-7 with the funeral home. So, you know, if someone needed something, if I was there and quite often it was, you know, it's the whole micromanaging kind of things going here, there and everywhere. And who wants to be late for a funeral? Mm. And there's no dress rehearsals. You know, you only get one one time to do this right. Um, So, yeah. So it was pretty full on. I had a young son at that stage. Um, My husband is a police officer, so he was very busy with his job. I was busy with what I was doing. So it actually made me stop and kind of think and step back from myself and go, mm. what the actual hell am I doing? Yeah. And is this really the right thing for, that, you know, for me to be doing? So once I got through my surgeries, I, I put my, my shop on the market and by September of 2013, I had sold it. And from there, I went into aromatherapy, which was kind of a really lovely thing to go into uh, because a lot of the products that I used when I was actually healing um, from the surgeries and from the radiation treatment was beautiful, natural aromatherapy products, which helped me mind, body and spirit. Mm. Um, And then a lot of women actually found out that that was the avenue that I took. So people who were being diagnosed with breast cancer, because I was a very big pusher, and I wouldn't say the word pushing, but uh, just making people aware that yeah. breast cancer is is massive. It used to be one in, uh, one in 10. It's now one in seven mm. women who will get breast cancer in a lifetime, which is, uh, that's crazy. So in 10 years, it's gone from one in 10 to one in seven. So the statistics are, are massive. And basically it's in your hands, mm. you know, I really push that women check their breasts on a regular basis, like once a month. 
make a date with yourself and actually do regular breast checks get to know what your breasts feel like yeah and if anything is not feeling right then you need to go and get it checked out don't sit on it and think hey you know it'll it'll go it's just one of these lumps and bumps and things yeah sometimes it might be that but in other times it, it might not yeah. so i really really encourage you to to become accustomed and in tune with your body and then if little things kind of pop up like breast lumps then you can actually go and, and deal with it so the earlier you get the detection the the, the better off your um, diagnosis is and the treatment is a lot simpler so I always say that you know it's early detection and it's in your hands so yeah. check your breasts and go with it so it, it really does make a big difference um my doctor who I had when I was I don't even know how old I was when I was put on the pill she actually advised me that that was something that I had to do and I looked at her kind of weirdly um so <laughs> I think when I was a little bit older and had a bit more smarts I actually said to her can you show me what to do yeah and so it's actually been part of the routine that I do and through uh, Breast Cancer Care WA I was actually going out to a few schools in the local areas and just educating some of the younger girls year 11 and 12 girls that it's not a thing that happens to older women anymore mm. it's actually happening as early as you know 16 17 18 and the more that pe these girls actually you know get on to looking after themselves and giving care to themselves and actually checking their breasts and actually knowing what they're doing, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a life, a life thing that they, that will actually stay with them and um, they can be on top of that. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So, yeah, I went from being a florist, having a crazy business and then doing aromatherapy, but in the background, I've always been a dancer. So mm. ever since I was, Three, I think it was, I started dancing. Then, um, of course, I, you know, became a sports person in my younger days and abused my body with sport. <laughs> so uh, once my son was born, it was really nice to go back into dance again and just find um, a place of safety and security and friendship, mm. support, love. And through my breast cancer kind of journey if you want to kind of say it that way or through the treatment there was only a few classes that I missed but I tried my darndest to actually turn up every week to be there for my students yeah. but also turn up for me as well because part of healing I think is actually allowing yourself to be supported and nurtured by others you you don't have to do things on your own and that was the biggest lesson I think I learned. I'm such a fiercely independent woman. Yeah. And it was really beautiful to actually let other people in. I think that's a really difficult concept. So, uh, so many of us have been raised to be fiercely independent women and we don't, we can do it on our own. But just because you can do it on your own doesn't mean you should do it on your own. It doesn't mean you have to do it on your own. You know, there's Correct. a big difference there. And I remember... Yeah. When my son was really little and one of so somebody was being really positive and said, oh, you're a superwoman. And my boss at the time said, that's not a good thing. Like, and she wasn't being nasty, but don't aim to be a superwoman because you're setting yourself up, but you're also setting an unrealistic expectation for everybody else around you. So you Absolutely. don't have to do it all alone. Totally, totally, 100%. That is a brilliant suggestion there because, yeah, I, I was called Wonder Woman for many, many years and mm. I, I hated it because, it, as you say, the expectation then is that, that you continue on this ridiculously high, famed thing that you're supposed to be on and sometimes all you want to do is just curl up in a pile of poo. And, That's it, um, and cry and for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> And many times I did that and yeah. I gave permission to myself to do that, which was lovely. Yeah. But one of the, when I was doing my um, radiation treatment, which was six weeks of radiation backwards and forwards to Royal Perth Hospital, a lot of friends asked what they could do to help me. And, mm. you know, I kind of didn't really know. And when that radiation came up, I said, well, I'd love for some, anyone, I don't care who it is, to come and pick me up from my shop. And we drive to Royal Perth together. I go in, have my treatment, and um, and then we drive back. Yeah. And so for those six weeks, I think just about a different person picked me up every day. And something that was a really shit, you know, situation to be in. It's not the most funnest thing to be going in, getting yourself zapped. But I was able to sit in a car with someone for, you know, half an hour trip to the hospital, chat away, catch up 
go in, get zap, 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 and then come back and, and do the same thing. So it was lovely just to reconnect with yeah. people, to let them know that I was doing okay because I could physically see that I was I was coping. And then they could pass that into the circles because, of course, you know, when you throw a little, little um, stone into the pool and it creates little ripples, that ripple effect gets out there. So everyone kind of knows what's going on. The worst thing also was my dad was actually going through cancer treatment at the same time. Mm. So he was 43 days, I think, in ICU after an operation. And so it took a long time for me to actually be able to tell him that I was going through (laughs) this myself, which was pretty tricksy. And I even had to tell my mum the day of his big major operation, which put him into ICU for the 40 days, that this was something that I was going to do. But I basically said, "Um, mum, you need to look after my dad and, you know, I'll let you know what's going on with me and I need you to let me know what's going on with him. I've got my team um, and we just need to sort of work it through together. So, yeah, it was a very interesting (laughs) stage of my life, that's for sure. But the thing that, that I guess... It taught me was patience. I'm not a very, wasn't, I was not a very patient person. I wanted everything done yesterday and super, you know, super quick and super efficiently. And of course, when you're on the cancer train, you just have to wait your turn. Yeah. And you get on the train and when the stops, you'll stop to get off, then you get off and you do what you need to do. So too much thinking into it is bad. Too much Googling Dr. Annie Google and getting onto Dr. Google and finding out what's going on is really bad as well. So you're better off just surrendering um, and going with the flow. So How hard was that though? Oh, that was the hardest thing in the whole wide world because even my surgeon knew that I like to know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Got those eyes and cross those T's and just so that I can make an informed choice for myself because as a patient, you are basically a customer and you are able to make these choices. So it was just being able to do that. But sometimes you just had to just let it go and let professionals make the choices for you because they will always make the right ones. And I, I guess that was the first time I met my surgeon. His name was Dr. Hamza and he's from Iran so of course I called him my Persian surgeon (laughs) beautiful beautiful man and so he told me what was going on and I just looked at him for a moment and and I looked in his eyes and I just said okay Dr Hamza if I was your wife what would you do for me and he sort of like looked at me with this kind of like what kind of thing and then he went okay this is what I do and I said you didn't hesitate so that's what I want you to do yeah and my breast nurse at that stage said, wow, that was so clever to put yourself into a situation where it made it personal. Mm. Um, and it, it, it actually, yeah. So I, I felt, I felt, I felt very comfortable with him. And, and I, I was very lucky that I was at a, the Fremantle breast clinic there. And it was only a very small clinic. And my nurse, Claire, my breast nurse, Claire, she knew all the patients that yeah. were coming and going, whereas now at Fiona Stanley, there's so many of them, which is so hard for her to keep up with it all. But I was lucky that I just was there at a, at a, at a time where, you know, it was just such beautiful personal treatment and you know, for breast cancer, it sounds really weird. <laughs> no, not at all. I think, I think the fact that you were able to have that personal connection and, you know, I've met Claire a number of times at the different events that there have been since and you're right, she does, like you're now, you're still in connection with her a decade later. Exactly. Like that is, you You just can't underestimate the difference that it makes and not being seen as a number or as a statistic. And yeah, it's like a meters I call it sometimes Well, too. yeah, that's it. Something <laughs> yeah. that surgeons want to cut, you know. Well, I'm sure that must be true because it's what it says on all of the medical dramas and things that I watch. So it must be true. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you. I think it's really important that you do feel like you can ask the people who are on your team. You can ask them, and you. You're right. You get ultimately. You're the one who has to make the decision. You need to know that you trust the people who you're working with, and you create that trust through creating those personal connections. A hundred percent true. And I've actually had a few women who have been diagnosed and said, you know, I'm not happy with 
these diagnoses. So I've actually put them onto Claire, uh, my mm. breast nurse, and, and they've actually had second opinions. And because of it, they actually felt a lot more comfortable with the procedures and that, that they actually went through. So they were, you know, very, very happy that I went, well, if you're not happy, then don't yeah. go there. Yeah. You need to try somewhere else and make sure that you are happy because inevitably it's your body, it's your temple, and you get to choose what happens to it. So, and you have to be comfortable that at the end that you've made the decision that you can live with. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's massive decisions. You know, I'm a real a natural therapy sort of person, but, you know, and I was quite compromised with, you know, how I was going to deal with things, but I had to be smart mm. and, you know, and I was allowed to, you know, with, with the team that I had, they allowed me to bring in the adjunct treatments with my aromatherapy kind of stuff and my meditations and, and mm. things like that, that really helped me get through and even Dr. Hamza says today, you know, a positive mental attitude will heal you 10,000% faster than someone who's... A negative a person ne- with all the best <laughs> medica- medical care in the world. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I even actually was invited back by Dr. Hamza on a couple of occasions where he's been recruiting for his team of professionals in the medical field and they just run like seminars. Yeah. Um, and... I spoke as a patient and then Claire spoke as the breast nurse, a beautiful woman who did the uh, nuclear medicine when you do the the lymph node, uh, leading lymph node. Um, isn't that funny? I've even forgotten what that's all about now. <laughs> but she was just beautiful. And then Dr. Hamza sort of spoke. And it was really lovely to be able to kind of speak your truth to these people and when I actually had the day I had my surgery, there was a, a hospital, there was a kitchen strike at Kalia Hospital. Oh. And so the, the whole nursing staff was very stressed. And so I think I got was into my room and this nurse came into me and I, you could just feel that. The yeah. So I said, stop, come here. And I put my arms around her and I gave her a big hug. And she sort of like looked at me and went, this is the wrong way around. (laughs) And I just said, look, I can see you having a bad day. Maybe you just need a hug. And she went, okay, my God, this is it. So she went off and, and, you know, and then came back and, and and it it was really a a lovely kind of thing that happened, you know, even to the extent that I was wheeled in at the wrong time and I had, the other person was in first, but you know, it is, it is what it is, (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. But the woman who, the nurse who was actually on that team, she was in one of the seminars and she actually put her hand up and said, that was me. And she said, and I actually learned so much from you because you actually, you were human and yeah. you actually gave me a hug and you actually made me kind of realise that we all have bad days, but we all have good days as well. So you yeah. have to sort of take the good with the bad and just, just make sure we have that humanity. I think that's what's happened a lot in the last few years with the COVID stuff and things is that a lot of humanity has been lost. So it's, it's just really nice to kind of go back and find that sense of tribe, that sense of support, um, that sense of connection that we all hunger for. And and I think a lot of that sense of connection has been lost over the last three years because, you know, we've been, everyone's been encouraged to be afraid of creating connection in person. And as awesome as Zoom and Teams and all of that stuff is, it's not the same. Oh, no, it's not the same. <laughs> so, no. yeah, and it, it's difficult. And you're right, yeah. everybody does have bad days. And yeah. I, you know, I often think with the work that we do in the mental health service, we get clients who they come in and they're, you know, they might be angry or they might be upset. And we have staff who take that personally. And I think, can we just take a minute to remember nobody's coming here because everything's going really well? No, exactly. And so, every emotion is valid. Yeah, most definitely. Sadness, sadness, you know, whatever it is, guilt, yeah. grief, whatever, it's everything is valid and, and you're allowed to feel all these yeah. things. Yeah. And you are more human if you do feel them. If you just want to be happy all day long, every day, then... I think you're you know, setting yourself up for yeah. failure, really, if you were, you Absolutely. know. Yeah. Absolutely. As, as they always say, you know, in darkness there's light and in light there's a little bit of darkness. So it's 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 a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So let's go all the way back. Tell me, how did you initially discover that you had breast cancer? What was that process like for you? It's really weird, actually. It was funny. I was out in the garden one Sunday and I lifted up a rock and I actually felt something pop in my chest, Ooh. which was 
weird. It was actually, it almost felt like a little popping sensation. So when I had a, a shower after I kind of finished, because, you know, you just keep going. Yeah. There was like a little indentation in my uh, left breast about eight o'clock. And I thought, mm, that's a bit weird. And when yeah. I felt it, you actually feel a palpable, almost like a pea, pea-sized lump underneath it. And I didn't say anything to anyone. And I just booked an appointment with the doctor the next day. And I was lucky enough to see a beautiful female doctor. Um, I've always had low iron. So I kind mm. of went in to say, I needed a pap smear. I needed my iron checked. And I found a lump. And she said, well, how do you want to do this? And I says, your choice. As you long know, as we cover all three, we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and can um, we do that in under the 10 minutes so we can still fit it in the standard appointment time? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And yeah, she kind of felt it. And and yeah, within, eventually, I think from there, my life just went on fast forwards mm. and I was, you know, the next few days I was off having biopsies, um, both the fine needle aspiration biopsy and then I had the, the big core biopsies, which is really fun. So I hit the ground running, as they say. Mm. <laughs> and virtually by, that was a Tuesday, I think, Monday, Tuesday, by the Friday, I had actually been diagnosed with breast cancer. By the following Friday, uh, I was in for surgery. So it was, it was so fast. I didn't mess around. Yeah. What was it really like fast. for you having to tell your husband? Um, well, I told my husband as soon as I got home from, um, the, uh, from the doctor's appointment, just because I didn't know if it was just me, you know, being. Am I overreacting bad. here? Yeah. yeah, kind of thing. So I just needed like a second opinion just to sort of go, no, 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 there's definitely something there. And so I told him and, and I think he was a bit shell shocked. Yeah. <laughs> But he knew that I was um, always been a fighter and strong and all the rest of it. And so I just kept him up to date with what was going on. The hardest was actually telling my son. Yeah. So when my son got home on the Friday, I think I finished work early. Matt finished work early and um, we brought him into the lounge room and he goes, no, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. <laughs> Honey, this one you <laughs> definitely <actually> didn't do. <laughs> And we had to sit down and and um, and let him know that I had breast cancer, and he just was in disbelief, and I think cried, cried and cried and cried. And it was really interesting because not long after that, one of his best friends' mums got breast cancer as yeah. well, and we had a very similar um, similar treatment and things like that. But yeah. hers had actually metastasized, and she passed away. Oh. Last year. So I feel really sad that that has happened. But I don't, then again, I feel very blessed that. Uh, I was lucky enough to get mine early and they actually captured it and, you know, saved my life basically. So, but no, telling people is the hardest thing in the world. And, you know, I cried for a few days as why, why, why me? I've always been the health nut. Um, I do the yoga. I eat well. I do, you know, look after my body. Rati, 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 ra. This is not fair. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And even when I asked my uh, surgeon, he actually said, it's a lucky dip. Yeah. You know, some people win, some people lose. Unfortunately, you lose. But at the same um, time, you got that lucky dip early, so you sort of won. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> that's exactly what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's like, however you look at it, there's always positives to it, even yeah. the negatives. So definitely. Yeah, so that's the hard the hard thing. And I think the hardest thing from there was like once I'd actually knew I was positive and then telling friends. Yeah. And their reaction was like they would burst into tears and I'd put my arms around them and going, it's okay, I'm going to be fine, you know, yeah. it's, it's all right. You know? And they're going, hang on a minute, this situation is wrong again. But that's um, what I was going to say. I think because of the personality and that kind of personality of people who are often called wonder women and, you know, that type of thing who carry everything you do then end up in a situation where you're the people, you're the person that's holding space for the people to react to your news? Pretty much. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre really, isn't it? It's really bizarre. Really and I hard. And that was the hardest thing that, you know, especially like having a shop that people would kind of gather at as well and you walk in the door and going, yeah, I've actually got some news to tell you and I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. And it's like, oh, and then blah, blah, blah. and it's just like that's okay it's fine you know it's it's just a diagnosis and it, whatever happens happens and you just have to basically as I say surrender yeah and yeah. um just travel travel the road however that means so I started writing a weekly email um to my tribe mm-hmm. <laughs> just instead of me talking to people all the time saying the same thing 50 times over 
just to send them a, an email and it gave them an, um, an idea of where my dad was at, where yeah. I was at. And also I was very honest in everything that had actually happened to me. So I actually gave like an anecdote of the procedures and things that I'd actually gone through. And funny enough, or well, not funny enough, a few of the people who've actually were reading it and read it then were diagnosed with breast cancer themselves. But they actually knew the procedure. Yeah. So they said that when they were going in to do these things, they actually didn't feel scared because they realised that I'd been there and done it and I, you know, got out the other end. So if, if Rochelle can do it, then they can do it kind of thing. But so, I think it's also that it's the unknown, right? Like totally. I'm going into – so going into a fine needle biopsy or I'm going into a core biopsy, great. What even is that? What does that mean? Yeah. And, you know, the the other parts of that and so, you know, there's tattooing and all of these things yeah. that happen. But the medical people, for them this is every day. Yeah. So yeah. it's, well, I'm going to tell you this term and you're just going to go on with it. But you think, I've ne- first of all, I need to Google what that word means and then how does that relate to what's Absolutely. happening to me? You know, exactly. It's so true. It's so true. And I even know when I was getting my tattooing for the radiation treatment, mm. you're a CAT scan and then you've got another scan going on kind of thing. And at one stage I sort of like looked to and there was four people around me chatting around and, and you're sitting there and you're feeling completely and utterly vulnerable yeah. to everything that's going on. Well, they're just having there. a conversation about the date that they had last week. Yeah, just, I don't even know what they were doing. And I kind of went, hey, guys, hey, guys. And they sort of went, yeah, 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 what, what, anything, what's wrong? And I says, can you just tell me what's going on? At yeah. least give me some indication as to what you're doing and how we're doing it because I am feeling like I'm scared shitless yeah. and I have no understanding of what you're doing. So just tell me what's going on. And then that way I will feel a little bit more comfortable. And they went, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, I know I'm number 27 for the day, whatever the case may be. But I'm still me and yeah. I really need you to just acknowledge that I'm just not that number 27, but I'm actually Rochelle and I'm a human. Yeah. And can you just give me a little bit of information here so I can actually understand what's going on? And after that, they were totally fine. Yeah. And I think, it again, as I'm saying, a lot of what you do is on you. Yeah. So if you're feeling uncomfortable in a situation, then you need to use your voice and say, hey, I don't understand, or hey, can you explain that to me? Or hang on a minute, I'm feeling very anxious. How can you actually let me um, deal with this in, in a better situation? So Yeah, I often say to my kids, you know, what do you have control over right now? And so what I, you know, what I have control over is saying, I'm feeling uncomfortable here, I need more information. Or I'm yes. feeling uncomfortable here, I need to take a five-minute break. Or, you know, any of those things. We always have control over something. There is some way that we can regain some sense of power or some sense of control to feel like we're in a better situation. And even if that's just a big deep breath in and an exhale out just to try and ground yourself and find your centre again, you know, sometimes that might be all you need that you can kind of continue on. But it is. It's really, really, really important. But, Mm. yeah. So going back to that, you know, when you were telling people and the responses that they were giving you and, you know, that being quite tricky for you, how would you have, how would it have been useful for people to react in that situation? Um, uh, I, the thing is, is that you, I don't really know if I was actually anticipating any kind of reaction, which was a normal kind of reaction. Yeah. The, the one that I, the one words I, did, I never really liked was, oh, you're going to be all right. Yeah. And it's like, Hang you on a minute, you that. don't know if I'm going to be all right. So that was one of the words that I actually banned or phrases that I banned is that I don't know if I'm going to be all right. Yeah. You can say that, you know, you can send me your blessings, you can give me a hug, um, you can say all sorts of things, but please don't say you're going to be all right because yeah. we just don't know that. And even still, you know, even 10 years down the track, there's still that little, that little tiny weeny little thing in the back of your mind that. there might be something still within you growing within you and we just don't know so it's one of those things that even if you've had it a long time ago it's 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 still still just very niggly (laughs) just just there but with reactions it was you know some people they just broke down and cried which was kind of really interesting mm. um and and others just had no words um didn't know what to say um and I think the best thing that you can possibly do is just put your arms around someone and give them a hug because I think that that um 
for me anyway, I'm, mm. I'm a huggy sort of person, that would probably be the best thing in the world you can do. And just, you know, if, if there's anything that I can do to help you, yeah. just let me know I'm here. And I think it's more that rather than, oh, it's all right, you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's I guess that pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You got a crystal ball, have you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. But yeah. I think mm. it's okay to acknowledge that, well, I'm really sorry to hear that, but without – I, I feel like we need to give space for the people who are going through it to experience it rather than take that space for us to have a reaction. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you can't help that. We're all humans and oh, we all yeah. react yeah. in our own ways. How and did you hold it together you actually, when your son cried? Um, I cried too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And um, as I said to him, look, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going. I've got no answers for you at this stage. You know, we'll tell you everything that happens as yeah. it goes on. Um, I'm not going to tell you that I'm I'm going to I'm going to die, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm, I'm not going I'm to. Gonna yeah. Die. yeah. But all we're, all I'm going to tell you is that we're going to try our hardest and our darndest with everything that's put in front of us to make me well again. Yeah. So, and that's all you could do. And it, I guess it bec you become a realist. And so when I am now confronted with people who have had diagnoses of different things, I'm very mindful about how I say things and what I do. So it was a really yeah. good question that you asked about how people reacted and how you think they should react mm. <laughs> because it, it, is, it is tricksy. It's really tricksy. Yeah, but it yeah. has actually impacted how you now respond to other people. 100%, yeah. yeah. Because of some of the ways that they people did react to me and, oh, my God, you'll be fine. You know, you'll be all right. Yeah. How do you know that? <laughs> you know, I can still still sort of see it. And it, it's lovely to have, you know, as you say, positive mental attitude, but you really need, need to know what's going on first before you can. And what you don't want is for you to then be, for you know, to hear that and for you to then be thinking, yeah, but what if I'm not all right? You don't know that I'm, you know, like you don't. Yeah. You don't want the opposite thoughts going into your head either. Yes, exactly. So, trying to keep the balance is yeah. so, so um, difficult really sometimes. So it is, it really is. So what did you do to try and keep a positive mental attitude while you were going through the treatment and all of the different prodding and poking and zapping and all of those things? Normality was probably the, one of the most, the biggest contributing factor was trying to keep my life as normal as possible. I love and that all, you say that while well, you completely turned your life upside down, sold your business. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but 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 as in normal. I know what you mean. Yeah, just not neglecting that life goes on, yeah. and still I'm feeding still your family every week. Every not every week, every day. You have to feed them every day, Emma. Not just once a week. <laughs> not just once a week, every day, and just you know basic things. Just taking, um, I guess you know how quite often when you're making beds and you're doing dishes and doing yeah. things like that, it just takes you out of your own head. Yeah. Um, continuing on with my dance mm. was very, very important. As I said, I probably only missed a couple of classes. Luckily I had surgery at the end of December. So we had the break over Christmas. Yeah. So by the time back in the February, I was kind of ready for it anyway. Um, and there was a few times where I'd actually had some treatment, like some radiation treatment on a, a Monday or something. And then just by the time I got home, I was just fully exhausted. So I just, let the girls know that I just couldn't do it. And yeah. I think there was only two occasions that actually happened, but going to dance and having a, having a place to be in a, a safe space was really important. Mm. Um, and I think just being honest and authentic with people as well, just if people, how are you today, Rich? And I was feeling shit. I would actually say, yeah, I'm, I'm not having a good day today. So I think I'm just going to go and have a cup of tea and just sit down and just chill out for a bit. Or, yeah, I'm feeling great. Hey, let's go and have a coffee or yeah. something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You really just have to read each day as it comes and, and work through it from there. But I really think just keeping some sort of normal scheduling going on, whatever normal means to you, mm. um, it it really helped and knowing that you've got a a tribe of people behind you who will 
you know, love you and, and help you out and assist you and support you. And it's really interesting because when you do get a diagnosis like this, um, it's a make or break thing. Yeah. People who you thought were your true soul friends can't cope because all of a sudden your shit's got bigger than their shit. So they tend to go, oh, my God, no, I, and, and they leave you. And yeah. people who are on the periphery, they tend to come on in and, and they just pick you up and carry you along and just do the most amazing things. So a few of my friends who I thought were, wow, they kind of like split and it's like, okay, I didn't need you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then others that sort of came on in and just, you know, were just so... I don't even know what the word, the, their kindness, their generosity, their support was so heartfelt and just given from a place of love that it was it was really beautiful. To, so to have that open acceptance was amazing. So I guess that's something that I try to reciprocate where mm. I possibly can. Yeah. And I think for people listening, sometimes, and especially because of the last couple of years we have, I can sort of think that people might be listening going, oh, well, that's all well and good if you've got a tribe. But what if you don't have a tribe? We'll find a tribe. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I think there are spaces and and often, look, I mean, obviously I've been dancing since I was three as well. So I find dance is a really great way to connect with people. But there's, if dance isn't your thing, there's other ways to connect with people. And you don't have to connect with people through cancer support groups. Like you can, you you kept your definition and sense of self. It's just that cancer became a part of that rather than defining yourself as I'm Rochelle, I've got cancer. Exactly. That was not a thing I wanted to do. And interesting enough, I've, um, you remember Mesa. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, she's just knitted a, a beautiful baby blanket for our impending new human that's kind of come into our world so I can become a grandma. And she created a dance. Uh, at one of the WAMEDs called Human, and there was Aradia, uh, Aveen, I think, I can't remember who else, Ms. Mesa, uh, Jahara, Carolyn Verhoff, and Nikki. And they danced this dance. And a lot of the, the situations, because Mesa could never call my cancer cancer, it was the BL, which the BL stood for Bastard Lump. Uh. BL removed so because she didn't want to acknowledge that I actually had cancer yeah so that was her way of dealing with things I think I remember I think it was Fee and Raven one one side of me and they took me into the theater and said you've got to sit here and you've got to watch this kind of thing I'm thinking what the hell is going on (laughs) I saw this these women in pink you know grays and pinks and a, a lot of the things that I had actually said to Mesa about um how I dealt with things she portrayed in in dance and in music and it was just oh it, it's still yeah well now just um thinking about that because it's something pretty special yeah <laughs> sorry yeah. you can hear me <laughs> <laughs> and look i'm a i cry at the drop of a hat and i'm also a sympathetic cry so i'm trying really hard not to <laughs> yeah i think it's just because one of the d- things i did say that came out of my mouth was I can be strong for you and I can be strong for my husband and I can be strong for all these people around me, but I didn't know if I could be strong for me. Yeah. So to look in the mirror and to really see the real you is, it's deep work. And one of the first things that they all did was they looked into a mirror. Oh Oh my God, she was listening to every word that I said. I spoke to her about this journey and um, and when she put it into dance, you know, my language, mm. my language. <laughs> so it was, um, it was kind of really, really, really special. So um, people can really. You must have um, been an absolute blubbering mess. Yeah, I was. I remember <laughs> um, watching it and then running back down, sta- like running out the stage door, and this poor woman at the door looking at me because I've just like the snot and <laughs> yeah. tears makeup all over my face. I was going to say mascara is nowhere near where mascara should have been. Yeah. She's, try- um, she's trying to let me in and we had to go out because it was at the Regal Theatre. So oh. we actually had to 
streets of Subiaco and then take me back down backstage. Well, Keddie's on stage talking about me and breast cancer and all sorts of things like that. I didn't even hear any of that stuff. I only saw the dance and I had to run backstage and hug all the women who danced it because yeah. are remarkable. And I remember running into Paul Regan from South Australia and she's like going, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? <laughs> And then I'm trying to go, they just did a dance and, and, you know, and I got backstage and it was just, we just fell into each other's arms and just cried and cried and cried. And I think a photograph popped up the other day of Mason and I sitting there arm in arm and just our, our faces just pink and red from just tears and emotion and, and thankfulness and gratitude yeah. and beauty and all the things. So, you know, it's. And it's, snot, all the snot. Well, and snot, <laughs> snot, snot. But it's just, you know, the cancer journey is a really, it's probably, it's very profoundly different for every human Mm. and it's shit, but it's also, if you can find the beauty and you can find um, the gratitude in it, you come out the other end of a better human. And I feel like cancer gave me a second chance at life because I wasn't actually living, I was existing. Yeah. bubble of you know work 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 whereas now I've kind of come out the other side where I work a little but I dance and I do the things that I love um, with with much passion and my biggest passion is um, creating safe spaces for people to come and be whether they need to sit and just be or whether they need to shine their light and grow it is entirely up to them but it's just being able to create those safe places, those soft spaces that they can land and feel safe and protected and nurtured and nourished and all those things. I feel welcome and feel like they're part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the more we shine our light as light bearers and we allow other people to start shining their light. And then if we're all shining our light so brightly, then the world's going to be a much happier place. So yeah. it's, I know I'm a bit of an unrealist realist, but, you know, it is a thing that I, I feel very strongly about is just um, community. Getting back to the grassroots of people being nice to people and yeah. people respecting people and rather than pulling people down and knocking people over and out, you know, why don't you sidle up to them and just become their friends and just be nice and be kind um, and do it with a, a place of love. Yeah, yeah. And, but there's the thing, if everybody, like there's space for everybody. And so if everybody helps lift everybody up, then together we all rise. Totally. As opposed to spending our time trying to rip other people down. So yeah, I think we're all sick and tired of that stuff now. And, yeah, when you kind of sit back and reflect, as I said, it, when it, it's deep work when you have to sort of sit there and pull your life to pieces and actually really analyse yeah. why, why did this happen? And I guess, you know, when you have had little niggles where you've been unwell and then you ignore them and ignore them and ignore them because busyness, busy, 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 busy takes over. And then all of a sudden they kind of go, well, she's not listening. Yeah. We're just <laughs> and see if she listens. And then you go, okay, right, surrendering now. Yeah. So don't get to the stage where you have to do the big surrender. Listen, 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 listen is the most important thing that I think. Just be patient with people. Be patient with yourself. Um, listen within. Know your body inside and out. Just listen in because it's really important that you know what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, go and get it checked out. Yeah. Don't hang on to it and wait 12 months or two years down the track because by that stage, things can exacerbate so, so, so very quickly. So, yeah, I urge you to really take control of your own health and your own body, your own, yeah. all of those. And look, that can be difficult. I think it can be really hard because sometimes people don't go to the doctors because of fear, because if I go and it's something, then I'll know and I can't stick my head in the sand and ignore it if somebody's told me that there's actually something wrong. And that's really hard. And look, and I know in reality that just ignoring it, it's not going to make it go away. So at some point you're going to have to deal with it. So is it better to deal with it? now or is it better to deal with it when it's had the opportunity to get so much worse it can also be tricky though because sometimes it's difficult when you've got few for some women going to the doctors they've been and they've been ignored or Mm. 
they go to the doctors and the standard response is, well, you're over 40 now or "Mm, you might need to lose some weight. And so people are reluctant to go to doctors because, well, I'm still over 40 and I still need to lose some weight. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But there is others out there. There's nurse practitioners. And if you don't want to go, if it's it's breast related, then you can go to Fiona Standing to the breast clinic and actually get a booking in there, you know. So Mm. there's there's ways and means. Talk to friends. Take a friend along with you. There's, There's, you know, it's... I guess I can't vouch for everyone and I'm only sort of talking, talking from personal experience, but I, I, I must admit I'm not a, a big fan of going to doctors either, but you know when yeah. things aren't good, you really have to to take the plunge and yeah. and do the thing. Yeah, and look, and it's something that I talk about all the time. We, if you buy a new pair of shoes and you get blisters, you don't give up wearing shoes. So you That's find right. another pair. Um, or you stick some band-aids on. But, you know, if you go to a doctor and you have a bad experience, doesn't mean you have to give up going to the doctor. I'm not a fan of going to the doctors at all. But you need to find a doctor that you feel comfortable with and that you can go to. And if you go and you have a bad experience with the first one, go to another doctor, go to a nurse practitioner, find yeah. the clinic. Yeah. yeah, there are other options. There's options. You don't always have to take that first face value bad experience as as the as the the be all and the end all there is other avenues out there that you can travel down so yeah and like you said as well I think you can take a friend with you take a relative somebody who can be an advocate for you somebody who's in your corner who can go actually no we're not going to take it that this person's over 40 and so therefore that's you know to be expected or whatever that might be and it's really important to actually take someone else with you because mm-hmm. even as, um, you know, I'm an educated woman who totally gets everything that's going down. But when I went into the first meeting, um, my husband picked up so much more than I picked up because my focus was on, you know, what this was and how I got it. And it wasn't on all the peripheral stuff. So you actually do need other people in there with you because you'll pick up two percent of the conversation they might pick up another 10 or 15 but that 10 or 15 is really important as well yeah and and that's exactly it you going in there and you think well this is all I heard uh, because either that's all I was focused on or that's all that I had capacity to actually hear at that time yes and or I heard it this way and having somebody else in the room might go "Mm, do you know what I heard the same thing but I heard it totally different I heard a very different meaning behind those words absolutely perspective yeah Yeah. so kind of having somebody who can challenge you a little bit or add or maybe go maybe we might need to go back and we might need to ask that again yeah or let's let's write a list of questions in there rather than trying to take it in your mind because your mind sort of sifts through and it dump some stuff or if you've got a, a written set of questions that you can actually go in with yeah. um you'll you'll get the answers yeah so and like no, you're not gonna have all the answers though are you no and i think being okay with that is really important yeah. as well yeah so if you were talking to somebody who was newly diagnosed what do you think is the most valuable piece of wisdom that you could share with them The most valuable piece of wisdom is to trust your intuition, trust your gut, to listen, but listen, but don't, doesn't mean to say that you have to take everything on board because everybody, when you, when you're told someone that you have a diagnosis of breast cancer, oh, my auntie Jean had that and she died three years ago and, and someone else had that. And and so like, they are the worst, the worst situations. (laughs) Like they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. So it's basically I would tell them just to trust their gut, trust their decisions. And if, if things don't feel right, then go and get a second second opinion and just surrender. Yeah. Surrendering is the most important thing that you can possibly do and just allow for whatever that means to that person just to go in and go with the flow. Don't have... Uh, outcomes that you feel that you need to achieve because you might not ever achieve them Mm. so I think it's just have an open an open openness to your heart and to your understanding and just go with it that way it sounds kind of like you know the push pull that you aim for during yoga it sounds similar to that so you're aiming for 
to try and learn as much as you can and to be as informed as possible and to you know to to be your own expert to trust yourself to be your own expert and then to let go and surrender at the same time absolutely breathe and mm. let it go yeah you might get a little deeper into that little into that sort of bit if you breathe yeah <laughs> <laughs> That, it is actually true. I guess yoga is a really good analogy for that. Um, because I guess I had you know, an expectation that, you know, bang, it was all going to be done and da 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 da. Yeah. And I was lucky that I was one of those ones that only had a lumpectomy and had some radiation and didn't need chemotherapy because I did a test that didn't need chemo. But then I did have hormonal, the uh, tamoxifen, which was, you know, that was killer for me, absolutely. Mm. I become a, a nutcase zombie so um you know it was it was not pleasant but I made sure that everything that came up that I wasn't sure about that I actually had conversations with experts who yeah. knew what was going on with it not expert who lives down the road or expert on, on google but actual an actual expert expert yeah. who can yeah. give you informed information and I think that's really important is don't listen to the naysayers and don't listen to the riffraff that's going on down here. You actually have to listen to the people who have got the professional kind of things behind their names. They've done the study. This is what they do. Um, mm. Listen to them. If it doesn't feel right for you, if it's not sitting with your gut and you want a second opinion, it is your complete and utter right to have a second opinion. And if you need a third opinion, you get a third opinion as well. Yeah. But keep going until you feel like you are getting the best treatment and the best whatever it is that you need for you. Yeah. This is not related to breast cancer, but um, it popped up in my Facebook memories that I, I was supposed to, I, they thought I was going to need some surgery. But because I have been a dancer for my entire life, I didn't need the surgery because, um, you know, the muscles were strong enough, I didn't need it. But the orthopaedic surgeon said, you've got to stop dancing, you can't do this, you can't do that, you've got to, you know, we need to, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me because it's the dancing that means that I don't need the surgery like why would I give this up and then so it popped up in my Facebook memories that then I went to my rheumatologist and was speaking to him and he's like no that's ridiculous you need to be definitely be dancing as often as you are and add this in and do this so I've written in my Facebook memories and as his is the opinion that I wanted and that closely matched with my own I'm going to listen to that expert opinion (laughs) right because if it's going to marry in with what you what you want and you is it in your kind of thing then that's that direction going to go in that's it so but it's about going you know what I'm hearing what this expert is saying it doesn't make sense to me so unless I can get that to make sense gonna find somebody else to listen to absolutely yeah Yeah. (laughs) find another expert exactly there's another one out there I'm sure So what about if you were talking to somebody whose friend or loved one was being diagnosed, what advice would you give them in a way to be able to support their person through this journey? Well, the first thing I tell them to do is not tell them that you're going to be all right. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) getting that loud and clear. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As you say, it's just, I guess, acknowledging that what's happened is is it's not it's not, it's not great, it's not fabulous, but it's it's part of your journey and you need to sort of deal with that. Um, and just letting them know that you are there, whatever that, that they need. Mm. So, you know, the amount of meals that I had on my front doorstep, casseroles and um, soups and things like that, they were invaluable because some days you just could not be asked. Yeah. Um, those things. So, but at the same to- time, McDonald's every night, probably not awesome. No, not not good either. So mm. at least having some of those things is good. But just again, finding that that healthy balance and yeah. letting them know that it's it's actually okay to feel like crap on some days, and that if they do feel like that, then reach out and you know we'll be there and support you. But unless you let us know, we can't read your mind. Yeah. So it's really important. But I, I think it's just I, the, the understanding more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably a really inter- or really good point as well, that when you're living with it, for you this is it can, could become consuming. And so you're thinking, well, why isn't anybody offering me any help? Why isn't anybody doing this? Like I'm going through this. But for the people outside of your immediate circle, 
they've got other things going on and they might need prompting that you might need some support. And why aren't they offering any support? Well, maybe because you haven't asked for any. Totally. And you actually have to open your mouth and ask for it because people initially they'll be, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there. But then, of course, you get stuck back into your own little life sort of circles and things like that. So if you do need support, you actually have to ask for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, isn't it? (laughs) But maybe be specific as well. You know, I I need somebody to drive me to radiation next Thursday. Is anybody available? I need a loaf of bread. Can someone pick me up a loaf of bread on the way home and drop it off? You know, simple things like that. Yeah. My child needs a lift from school. Can you pick my child up from school and bring them home? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that easy. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way street really, isn't it? Oh, we say it's that easy. I just think we've we've been conditioned not to ask for help. So as much as saying it's that easy, it could be really challenging. But mm-hmm. give but there it a go. Are other um, institutions out there like Breast Cancer Care WA, mm. um, you know, they're a not-for-profit who actually help men and women because not only women get breast cancer, it's men, of course, that get yeah. breast cancer. You know, they help them financially, socially, even picking them up, giving them taxi vouchers, even sending someone around to just have a chat. Yeah. Um, someone needs just feeling lonely and stuck in whatever they're being stuck in. So there is, if you don't want to ask friends and family, there is institutions out there as yeah. well that you can actually go through and um, community groups and stuff like that. It just depends on where you're at. Yeah what you feel comfortable asking for look I'm a huge advocate I think we should be encouraging everybody to ask for help and ask for support and asking everybody to you know the biggest show of strength is to be vulnerable in front of people and to ask for help so I think we should all be doing that I just wanted to acknowledge that it can feel really tricky when we've been conditioned not to yeah 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 it can feel really awkward and like Mm. oh my god I'm asking you know for the Taj Mahal, but, you know. Really, it's just a loaf of bread. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it is. It can be um, uh, quite a conflict, internal conflict for people to actually let go. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You can do it. Mm. Now, I know we have to finish up, uh, which is unfortunate because I was really hoping to have a conversation about what it was like for you going through and sort of, revisiting what was important for you in life so will you come back and do an episode so that we can dig into that absolutely i'd love to that sounds fabulous because i actually have to run off to dance yes half <laughs> your luck i'm yeah well. i'd be great to actually kind of chat away because it just feels very easy very easy flow with you so yeah thank you so much no thank, thank you thank you very much for giving up your time and i know that you do have to get to you have to get to your dance class now <laughs> before we finish up have you got any final thoughts that you would like to share but no i think the the thing that i would like to share is that whatever diagnosis that you get whether it be a breast cancer diagnosis or any sort of cancer or you know doom and gloom it's not the end of the world Mm. um basically take it as a a slap on the on the, the cheek to actually really look at yourself and how can you become a better person and deal with this and make the most of what you've got and been given? It's probably a big, a big thing to ask for, but it's not the end of the world and you will get through and you'll find that you're a stronger person than you actually thought you were. Yeah, beautiful. So I'm going to take that as my takeaway and the power to discover breast cancer is in your hands and the importance of breast self-exams. Thank you, boobies. Check your boobies. And I will put a, well, hopefully I can still find one, a little how to check your boobies in the show notes for today. So people are listening. If you don't know how to do that, you can always jump on over there and have a look. But otherwise, thank you so much for your time today, Rochelle. Thank you so much, Emma. I really appreciate that. And yeah, everyone, don't forget to check your boobies. And um, Breast Cancer KWA, they have some really great leaflets on it. So there's another another little kind of little zoom too. Fantastic. So, yeah. Breast cancer, say that again. Breast Cancer Care WA, actually, there's a YouTube, I think, and they've also got little um, leaflet flyers, so um, they're they're amazing. Perfect. I will put those in the show notes, a link to those as well. Um, so that's great because it's one less thing that I have to go and find now because I know where to look. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rochelle. I will let you go because I know that you have to go and get to your class. Uh, just wanted to say thank you for, for sharing your story and your time today. 
It's my absolute pleasure and thank you so much for asking me, inviting me and have a lovely day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.